This episode of Fuel for the Soul is powered by ASICS. Head over to ASICS.com and sign up for a one ASICS account. It's completely free, and when you sign up, you'll receive 10% off your first purchase. You'll also gain access to exclusive colorways on ASICS.com, free standard shipping, special birthday month discounts, and more. Hi, this is Thomas with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Featherstone Nutrition. A.K.A. Feathers. And you're listening to Fuel for the Soul, the podcast where we talk all things nutrition and hydration and how it affects performance. And even some robot technology that we'll get into today. Yeah, so today is a fun one. We're going to be talking about a couple of different wearables that both Megan and I have been testing and we're going to kick it off by reading a question from a listener named Jeff. Hi, Jeff. He says, Dear Fuel for the Soul, Megan and the gang, your podcast is perfect for my... Wait, nu- wait, wait, wait. Which Megan? That feathers. Okay. Your podcast is perfect for my nutrition mindset during Jeff, this next training. time you do this, say, hey, feathers and gang, not Megan, because nobody knows. But I do, because he spelled it correctly. Right. Way to go, Jeff. Way to spell her name right. But Thank you, Jeff. way to not go, Jeff. Calling her Feathers, a.k.a. Feathers. Okay. Go ahead. Moving on. Your podcast is perfect for my nutrition mindset during this training cycle as I'm two years new to running. My question is, have you heard of people having adverse effects with Martin gels or any gels post-race that would lead to elevated blood glucose levels? My blood results indicate, quote, fatty liver after I ran the wine glass marathon in October of 2021 with Megan in the rain. I took six Martin gels on the run. And although I missed my BQ by 16 minutes, I'm still happy with my result. I trained for an Ironman 70.3 in Ohio last July and also used Martin on that course. I really like them. My blood glucose was 120 a week after the wine glass race and normal levels for my age and weight is 60 to 99. A month later, my blood work was back in the normal range. My doctor suggested not using gels with fructose in them moving forward. I really like the Martin gels. Is there something like them out there without fructose? Thank you and keep up the great content for the podcast. Um, a doctor recommending not taking these seems... Like a doctor that doesn't run. Yeah, but I don't know. Is this good information? You tell us. So tackling the fructose comment first, and then we'll get to the blood sugar comment. So every single gel on the market has some sort of fructose in it. Like, I don't know how you would get... I mean, even cane sugar is part sucrose, part fructose. Even like the Muir Energy Gels or Spring or Huma... All fruit has fructose in it. So, like, you're going to get fructose in any gel. So, what if you use the Generation You Can uh, stuff? Does that have fructose? Correct. It does not. It's a super starch. Yeah, there you go. It's totally different. Thanks for calling in, Jeff. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Thomas fixed your problems. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't, that's kind of my first thing. It's like, I don't know that a non fructose gel is the solution here um but since meg and i were playing around with continuous glucose monitors and tracking our blood sugar for up to two weeks recently um we also had a sports dietitian that was part of the app that we were tracking it and we picked her brain a lot right plus using our own experience and my thought here without knowing much about jeff clearly there could be some past medical history that i don't know anything about so this could be wrong but like my assumption here would be that his body was going through a crazy stress response after the marathon which we've all run marathons we all know 
is very stressful on our bodies. And we know that that stressful event can increase blood sugar temporarily. So my thought was, is probably had nothing to do with the Martin gels and everything to do with the stress that was put on his body running a marathon. So I think there's a lot at play here. I, I think it's um, too quick to blame the Martin gels for the blood sugar and some of this stuff. I think it was probably more just a product of the exertion of that training cycle and then also kind of how his body responded to running that marathon and just a delayed recovery. And the fact that it's going back to a normal range is probably like... A good sign? Yeah. Correct. Correct. And he said something about fatty liver. And again, I don't know your history, Jeff, but we also see liver enzymes can be elevated after a hard effort, right? Especially like a marathon. So it is possible that this was all just effort related versus anything else. And to your point, it went back to normal. Should should slash could those... Those numbers go back to normal sooner than a week, <clears throat> like it took Jeff. Yes, I think so. So maybe is that like a longer recovery period? Yes, I think most of us they've done research where they've looked at like how long it takes people's enzymes to like return to normal. And for a lot of people, it's like a day, two days, three days. So a week is a little bit longer, but um, it's also not that unheard of at the same time either. Okay, and since uh, first of all, do you want to talk about Lumen or NutriSense first? Which one do you want to dive into? I like the Lumen because it looks like you're vaping. Okay. The Lumen device is essentially a CO2 sensor that will tell you basically if you're burning carbs or fat in real time. Correct? Correct. Okay. So explain yep. how this little device works and why someone would want to use it. So like taking a step backwards, some people will go and get like their metabolic rate tested or they'll test like what type of fuel their body's using. And it's all based on measuring how much oxygen we consume and how much carbon dioxide we breathe out. So there's this fancy equation that can throw both those numbers in and literally tell you, am I burning fat for fuel? Am I burning carbs for fuel? Or am I burning a combination of the two together? So these... I think it was two women that have their PhD in physiology, created this lumen, and they wanted to try to bring that technology that, like, literally no one has access to. Like, I would love to get it done. I've never done it, right? Like, if you're in a hospital, you can, or in, like, a sports lab, you probably can. So they were thinking, like, hey, like, let's see if we can get this information to the general public. But my understanding is the lumen just measures your CO2 production, Right. So there was like questions on, is this still as, as you know, good? Right. And so they did some validation tests and it, it's accurate. It seems like the information that the Lumen is giving us as far as what type of fuel we're burning. Right. On a scale of one to five, one is all fat, five is all carbs. And kind of the scale is in between the middle there that it seems like it's producing accurate information for people um, as far as like what type of fuel we're burning. And their whole thing like when I was testing it, they really wanted you to be burning completely fat when you wake up in the morning. And then it didn't really say throughout the day what you should be other than you should be able to switch from carbs and to fat. And so for several months I was waking up and testing um, or taking this lumen to get a score. And majority of the time I was not burning totally total fat. And this was during like peak marathon training too. So, I mean, the carb intake was very high. So I was feeling like a failure because I was not like producing the numbers I was supposed to. So my question to you is, 
Do you feel it's important to be waking up in a fat-burning state? What are the benefits of waking up in a fat-burning state? And if you're not, what is the downside? Yeah, and I think that's a really good question that I was about to ask you. Like, how did that make you feel that you weren't burning fat in the morning? Because I do. Like, you're right. I used it as well. And there was a really big push on you want to be waking up strictly burning fat. Like, they want you at a one, like maybe at a two, right? And I think maybe that's why I was like, this thing sucks as I was starting to use it because I was like, it's kind of changing your thinking as to I need to be this like fat burning machine. But like as endurance athletes, do we? I mean, both of us run in the morning. So should we be waking up oxidizing only fat for fuel? So I mean, I guess the short answer is no, it's not bad that we're waking up burning carbohydrates as runners. Um, You know, I think... there's a benefit to sometimes waking up burning carbohydrates if you have a big workout or you're going for a long run it just means that you've got carbohydrates that you're ready to rock on and you don't have to completely rely on what you're doing before what you're doing during you've got like a third source right of carbohydrates the stuff you already ate versus the stuff you're about to eat right beforehand and the fuel you're going to take during um so i mean is it interesting yes is it useful for runners that's my question like i think sometimes it's perhaps a little more information than we need. Um, And, you know, is it actionable, I think? And that's kind of what I'm hearing from you is that you woke up with these numbers and you were like, well, is this even right? And then you didn't really know necessarily what to do about it. So who is is the Lumen for? Is it designed, was it designed for athletes or was it designed for just anybody? So when you look at their marketing, it appears as though they're like marketing it to like anybody who's looking to be a little healthier. So the way they're marketing it is that you're building metabolic flexibility. They're making it sound like we need to improve and practice and train our bodies to be able to switch between burning fat and carbs as fuel, right? So I think maybe I have a little bit of an issue with that too because like when we look at people – They've done research on people who are metabolically inflexible, right? They don't do – they aren't good at switching back between those two. The number one risk factor for being inflexible with our metabolism and fuel sources is inactivity, So that's not runners, right? Like by default, as runners, our bodies are really, really good at flipping between burning fat for fuel, burning carbs for fuel, and it's all based on the intensity of our exercise. So like, is this even something that we need to be doing? I don't think the average runner does. I think just by default, doing easy runs, doing workouts, doing long runs, all of those types of things are changing the metabolic fueling pathways and choices of your body just by default, you know, that we don't necessarily need to like be measuring. I will say, so after you get a score in the morning, then they give you a quote like nutrition profile for the day. And I felt like personally, it was always a low carb day. Like they're like, they have like a high carb, a medium carb and a low carb day based on what you breathe in the morning. And they don't necessarily take into account like the workout you have ahead or what activities you're doing that day. And the high carb day was probably like what I think you would recommend for me on a daily basis. I totally agree. There was one day that I woke up in like a four because I think I'd eaten like pizza before I went to bed. And it told me that I should eat 200 grams of fat, which is bonkers, and 80 grams of carbs that day. And I'm like, yo, I got a long run this morning. I mean... That, those numbers might not mean everything to people listening, but I, that's totally backwards, right? Like that's ungodly amount of fat. That is the same amount of carbs you should be eating before you run, not all day. Um, you know, so I agree. I thought the recommendations were 
terrible for <laughs> endurance runners, to be quite clear. <laughs> so it's a very cool, fun, like you and I love this sort of data because it's interesting to nerds. us and we're big nerds. But to the average runner, it probably will just create Confuse you. a little bit. Yeah, a little bit of confusion and maybe a little bit overwhelming and almost like. And, and recommend bad choices for working out. The other thing that we, I mean, we, you sort of just covered it, but this whole metabolic flexibility, I feel like is a huge buzzword right now, not just with the Lumen product, but in general, I feel like I've seen that going on. And mm -hmm. you're basically saying that as athletes, we're probably, as runners, we're probably okay with our flexibility, but um, like, why is that important? So I think the buzzword in, at least in like the endurance community is if we can teach our bodies to be more efficient at burning fat, like in the later stages of a longer race, we might be able to tap into that without feeling like we've hit the wall quite as much. Because like we've said on this show before, like fat is a slow fuel source. Carbs are very fast. Like we can turn carbohydrates into energy very, very quickly, but fat is much slower. So our paces start to tank when it's, when we're more fat based. So, you know, there's a lot of thought out there and like some different schools of thoughts that like, if we can oxidize fat along with carbohydrates a little more efficiently, like, does that spare our carbs longer? Do, can we run at faster paces while we're oxidizing fat? So I, the whole metabolic flexibility and being able to tap into your fat stores sooner is definitely intriguing for a lot of runners, right? Like especially runners who feel like they've kind of dialed in a lot of areas already and they're looking for like that extra notch, if you will. Um, but I, I guess I, I'm not convinced that this device is helping with that at all. I, I'm not, you know, convinced that this could potentially be a piece of that puzzle. And trying the keto diet, you know, I experimented with that uh, a couple of years ago, a few years ago. It, I felt like crap. Like I just did not run well. Like I was always like tired, like the burning fat thing. Like I, I know. So that's where I would say the metabolic flexibility that you're talking about. Again, it comes back to that notion of moderation, moderation. That's it. Yeah. You don't need to be burning all carbs. You don't need to be burning all fat. You mm -hmm. need to figure out how your body can best metabolize both. But I'm like, do I need to spend money on a device to tell me what's naturally happening if I'm not going to act on it? That's exactly how I feel. I think at least when I was using it, I felt like it was a natural observation of what my body was doing. And I'm like, cool, moving on. You know, like I, I don't know how actionable it is for people. And I mean, if you look at some of the other reviews that are out there and like the intention of the device, they're going to tell you it's super actionable, you know, um, that, you know, you can teach your body to tap into fat sooner if you're eating more fat, which is true. But is that the goal for yeah, runners, I think it would be good for keto pe people who do want to do a keto diet. You could be able to monitor it and possibly long term, like if you have a good race and you're like, OK, here's what was going on in the data during that race versus, OK, I had a bad race. And in this one, I was not getting enough carbs. I was not uh, doing this. OK, like it would be a reframing of their advice, almost like, OK, you had a great workout today when you woke up, you were burning carbs you had eaten carbs the night before and you had a phenomenal workout next time. Okay. You're burning more fat in the morning and you went out and you're sluggish and you couldn't hit your paces. So it would be taking the data and just applying it towards an endurance athlete and doing recommendations specifically for people 
that are doing the types of workouts that the both of you guys are doing. Yeah. And I don't know about you, Meg, but I had a really hard time like remembering to insert it into my life. Like you're supposed to do it as soon as you wake up. And I'd like drink half my cup of coffee and be like, crap, I didn't do that yet, (laughs) you know? And then like you're supposed to do it, was it before and after workouts and then Mm -hmm. after every meal? So like it's kind of labor intensive to get the data that you need to like get your metabolic flexibility score. Like I don't even think I was able to be consistent enough for 23 days to get that score from that because it's like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. You have to really want this data and be like invested for a full month almost to really get a a good picture of what you're looking at. And then back to Thomas's point, though, there were a couple times where I used the Lumen and I was in a, quote, fat burning state and and I had a workout coming up and it said, make sure you fuel for this um, workout with like and they give you like however many grams of carbs. Um, And so I can see in that sense where if someone is under fueling and maybe they struggle with that, it's like a very good reminder to, hey, like you have a workout coming up, you need to take in some more carbs. But for the majority of the time, it was not telling me that. <laughs> right, right, right. And it was probably making you almost a little fearful to eat mm-hmm. too many carbs before bed because I got to wake up a one or a two. Like that's always my concern. I'm begging people to eat enough carbs. And then we're giving them a device that's like, don't eat carbs. You know, it's kind of yeah. contradictory. Yeah, agreed. So if you are interested in checking it out, it's I think their website's lumen.com. Um, Megan and I were each sent a device and we tested for a while. And yeah, we're it's interesting. We love the data, but, you know, probably not going to recommend it to the everyday runner. This episode of Fuel for the Soul is sponsored by Inside Tracker. We all use Inside Tracker to check our general health through training and to make sure we're set up for success come race day. Thomas, give everyone a little more information about Inside Tracker. All right. Inside Tracker is a personalized nutrition platform that uses blood work to create a science-backed plan to help you reach your potential for better performance and a longer, healthier life. You can learn more about the product by going to InsideTracker.com. And for a limited time, InsideTracker is offering our listeners 20% off their entire store. Just go to InsideTracker.com slash fuel. Okay, so let's talk about another product that we just finished testing, which is the NutriSense. And it's a CGM or a continuous glucose monitor, um, which this one really stressed me out. So Megan, tell us... (laughs) Tell us all about what what a CGM is and what it's used for. I can't wait to hear why this stressed you out. So this is why this is cool, guys, because you've got like me, the nutrition nerd over here, and then you've got Meg, like the really good runner. So you're getting both perspectives from <laughs> some of these devices and both of our, you know, in, input. So continuous glucose monitors is literally like a button that you like press into your skin and it puts a little filament in there that is measuring. It's called the interstitial fluid. It's measuring your blood sugar all day long. Just well, with you this gla- little like button. You glazed over that. You glazed over that real quick. There's a needle in it and you actually slap a needle into your arm. It's not scary at all, but it's it feels scary when you first do it. So the needle doesn't stay in your arm, though. The needle just pushes that filament in and the needle comes out. So there's like this little filament thing. It's not the needle that stays in there. But to be completely transparent, they tell you you're not supposed to bleed in the first one I put in. It was like running down my arm. So I agree. I mean, it's a little bit invasive. (laughs) 
I did not experience the blood, but but Megan had showed me her video beforehand, so I was like petrified, and I just took the little patch and stuck it in my arm and was like waiting for like extreme pain and blood to come everywhere, and there was nothing. It was very fine. No pain at all? No pain. I didn't even know it went in. Yeah. Yeah. So I had two because my first one fell off. So my second one, it... uh it was not painful and it didn't bleed. So I don't know if I like struck an artery or something with I kid with the first one, but um yeah, the second one went a little smoother. Okay, so once yeah, once you have this little device on your arm, um you have to download an app and or I guess you download the app first and then it starts monitoring your glucose levels in real time basically, right? Or there's like a 10-minute delay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they say like a 10 to 15 minute delay of actual blood sugar. Because remember, it's not measuring your blood. It's measuring like fluid in like, I don't know, somewhere, interstitial fluid, whatever that is, probably in like fat tissue or something. Um, so yeah, there's a little bit of a lag, which is imperative, right? If we're looking at this for like real time fueling in races, there's a lag, right? So I think that's important to remember. So what I found very interesting is... It basically took for me, and I guess most people, like after you eat a meal, it's an hour later where your where your glucose spikes. Right. So and it'll show you. So, you know, that's about 15 minutes delayed. So, but yeah, it sometimes takes like 30 to 45 minutes for food to start to empty from your stomach and go into your small intestine, which is where it's absorbed, right? And depending on the composition of that meal, it'll change how quickly it increases, right? Because we've talked about before, like protein and fat slow down digestion. So like a really balanced meal shouldn't spike your blood sugar as high or as quickly. Whereas like straight sugar should very quickly enter your bloodstream and spike things very quickly. So it's kind of cool to be able to see like how your body is responding to different nutrition choices. Um, Because like to your point, it's a every 10 minutes you get a read on your blood sugar. So you can kind of see throughout the day, like what's it doing when I ate this versus when I ate that. And um, it was pretty, I don't know, eye opening just to see kind of what your body's doing behind the scenes um, processing, you know, sugar. What I thought was interesting is that we talk about it's too late to take nutrition when you're running when you feel like you need it. And that's a great example of when you're talking about how long it takes to digest something. Like I would be really interested if you could measure like your like take a reading, then take a Martin and see how long it takes for that glucose to actually like strike in and in your system. And I, I believe for everybody it would be a little bit different. But mm-hmm. it, it, it would be interesting because I know psychologically, as soon as I take a Martin, I'm like, there, here comes the energy and I get fired up. So there is a, a psychological part of it, but I'm sure that there's also a science based part. But one thing you, you know, went over real quickly about the device is that so you have the piece of tape with the device on it on your arm that stayed on it. And it looks like KT tape, but it stayed on for like what? Three weeks or something like that? Uh, it's supposed to stay on for two. Mine okay. lasted 11 days. Okay. And then you take your phone and actually tap it to the device, and that's how it takes the reading. So, I mean, the technology that went into it is pretty cool if you think about it. It's almost like you're a cyborg, you know, with the, with the monitor on, on your skin taped to you. Um, that was the one thing, though. Like, how much did that cost? Like, if you're a person that they didn't send the product to, if you... It, you had it for 11 days. If you wanted to use it for an entire cycle to see how your glucose goes for a marathon training, you're talking, you know, at up to eight weeks, nine weeks of training. Like, how, what's a normal marathon training cycle? 
Well, so from what I understand, Megan, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you use this for two weeks and that should give you a general understanding of what's what's working with your body, what's not working with your body. So, you know, you could get two long runs in there. You could take your nutrition throughout. You could, you know, eat higher carb days on before your long runs and that type of information should give you a good idea so then you can move forward within your training. Like you wouldn't need it for a full training cycle. You know, and this is where, I mean, I taking a step back, this is so new. So the application of these continuous glucose monitors is so new in the athletic field. Like we don't even have data to say like your blood sugar should be here. What we're saying now is like it's personalized. Find what works best for you. So to your point, Meg, like I personally had one on for three weeks and I feel like I just hit the tip of the iceberg. Like I feel like I don't, it was very insightful, but I don't feel like i took from this the information I could if I had it for another month, another two months. So I, from my perspective, I think it would be helpful to have it in the long term um, just because it's not like we have a certain endpoint we're trying to get to to understand. Like there's just so much to weed through to figure out like what was the right thing to eat before because there's so many variables, right? You know, there's so many variables in fueling and in blood sugar. You know, there's so many things that can impact changes in blood sugar that have nothing to do with what we ate. So I think over time it can be super helpful to see some of those trends. Um, But, you know, the actual continuous glucose monitor that we had is called a Freestyle Libre, which was actually on the market for type 1 and type 2 diabetics. So if you think about it, like someone actually reached out to me when I had it on, just expressing her frustration because she has a 7-year-old that's a type 1 diabetic that she has to fight with insurance for to get one of these on every day so that she can get alerts on her phone if he goes low at night. Like this is life-saving metrics for some people and their children, you know, and we're just like slapping them on for fun. So like I completely understand that piece of this whole equation, right? Like these were actually created for people who have diabetes that are taking insulin, that are dosing it off of their blood sugar. And what we're realizing is there's some information here that could potentially help athletes, right? So now there's a couple, so we use NutriSense, but there's a couple competing companies doing the exact same thing that are going to send you one of these, you know, Abbott devices, stick it to you, and they have their own proprietary app that's going to analyze the stuff and help you in a different way. Um, And there is one company overseas that's specifically working with athletes. So it's the continuous glucose monitor that you guys have probably seen like Kipchoge wearing. that device is actually different than what we wore. That one's going to read out a blood sugar every minute. It's going to sync with um, certain running watches. And it also has, like ours, if our blood sugar went up to 400, it would show it. But this one's only going to go to 200. So it's just not going to show quite as high. So it's a different device that's actually not approved in the United States yet. But I think once it is, we're going to be seeing a lot of people using these types of things because that's a specific app that's sports specific, not Do you just think overall that they- wellness eventually at some point you'll have something that's saying take your goo now like it will be monitoring since it's going i don't think so because the delay the monitor that's too delayed right so we know it takes like 10 to 15 minutes to absorb um a a martin we'll just use that as an example and then it's going to take another 10 to 15 minutes for it to show on our glucose monitor so by that point we're 30 minutes in the hole you know if it's it's continuous and it's doing a minute and you train with it it's going to be tracking how your body functions with that. Would it be able to predict almost like now, now? 
So if you've worn it to our earlier conversation, if we've worn it for a month and we can look back on data and show like, oh my gosh, every mile, mile six, my blood sugar drops every time. So I need to be taking a gel at mile four, at mile five. Like we can learn from how our body is responding to fine tune our sports nutrition in a way that we might have never been able to before. So I think that's kind of intriguing. But it's not like we can say you're going to run your best if you keep your blood sugar at 120. What, what's the price of the one that you guys were testing? So I just looked it up and it's 175 for a two week program or $160 a month for an 18 month commitment. Wow. That's, that's prohibitive to it's a lot investment. of people. Like that's a gym, more yeah. than a gym membership. It's two gym memberships for something that's only going to tell you your glucose levels. Right, right. It's one piece of data. That's such a good point, Thomas. Because like we were just saying with the lumen, we burn fat for fuel. We burn carbs for fuel. This is literally just showing us our carbs, right? Just showing us what our blood sugar is doing. So to our earlier point with Jeff too, like his blood sugar was high because he was stressed. You know, like you're going to see other things impact blood sugar than just our fueling. So it's going to take a significant amount of time to weed through some of those alterations in your blood sugar. And it's going to take a very dedicated, intelligent individual to look at these things and reflect back on what did we eat? What did we do? How did we sleep? Well, how was our hydration? Like this is a very, very, very high level piece of equipment to really fine tune someone's nutrition, right? Like from my perspective, is it super intriguing? Absolutely. Right. But from working with hundreds of runners, we also just need to fuel frequently and adequately enough and early enough, right? Like yeah. that's the key first. And then if we see great benefits, like awesome, we, maybe we don't need to do anything more, right? But if we're having a lot of trouble, like would this be a fun additional piece to try to figure out? Yes, but I think it needs to be to our conversation, like something we're doing for a while to really understand and use that information. Here, here's why I'm like losing my mind. You go back to early <laughs> 80s and the majority of runners that were running marathons, you know, breaking three hours was like, that's why you ran, ran a marathon. Um, and they ate, smoked, ate pizza, drank beer, literally could care less. Like if you'd say, hey, what's your glucose or how's your carbon monoxide coming with your fat burning? So they, they would have told you to get the F out. And we're getting all this data and all these things that now we can measure. And I'm like, does it mean anything? Like, like mm -hmm. does, does this stuff, would I be better with a Casio watch that just has a stopwatch on it and, you know, eat, a, eat some carbs and have some fun with my friends? Like, is that like, is that too much to ask? <laughs> yeah, I, I I just don't know where this is going to go. I, and I don't feel I feel like it's interesting that we have this technology, but it hasn't gotten to the point where it's like it's like the iPhone. Like we had all this technology, but it wasn't in a nice user interface and wasn't mm -hmm. fun. And I feel like we're at that stage where it's not fun. Like you do this so that I can go to my phone. I open an app and go, wow, there it is. And here's an actionable item. Even honestly, even the da data we get from our sports watches, I'm like half of it. I'm like, my cadence. Great. All right. It looks normal. All right. Here it is. Mm -hmm. There's so much data on it that you're like, and the, and I'm wearing like now with testing the core product, I've got a heart rate monitor on my polar heart rate monitor. I've got my core body temperature thing strapped to that strap because it didn't come with a strap. And that's all paired with my Coros watch that's reading my heart rate from the polar and do, doing that. It's also got a wrist heart rate monitor. And I, I'm like, 
I just want to go for a run. Right. At some point, like we're trying to make ourselves bionic and predictable and we're not. We're humans. Yeah. 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 No, I think I think it's a really good, good point. And I just from the blood sugar standpoint, like what I'm hoping will come of this, I guess is what I'm trying to say, is from some of the preliminary research athletes are finding that they're functioning and performing so much better when their blood sugars are decently high like even higher than i was shocked to hear where some of these people are running like 180 160 like to me i'm like geez you know when i took a martin and i looked at mine mine was like 130 and i was like okay so hearing that like some people might perform even better at higher blood sugars I, and everyone seems to be individualized. The people that have really tested some of these devices that are functioning at a very high level from an athletic perspective. But what I'm hoping comes of this is that people realize how important it is to be taking enough fuel and that we might actually need even more fuel than we thought to really keep up with our higher intensity efforts, right? Like it seems like that's probably where this information is going to be trending is like, wow, maybe all of us would be better off fueling a little more than we are during runs. Um, But do each of us need to be tracking those numbers and figuring it out? Or do we just wait and benefit from some of the data that comes from, you know, the labs that are testing all this? Yeah. And, and with that said, do you think that like right now, if you're taking a Martin or whatever, it's about 100 calories. And I'm guessing for the glucose to spike to the levels that you're talking about, you would need more. So for you, it might be 120 calories of Martin would optimize your thing. Are you saying that we're that the packet should be getting bigger or uh, or we should be taking more? Because it's already like it's I'm running around with the marathon. I, I've got like six Martins on me. Right, right. And it could be a lot more from, you know, what I'm hearing. But so I, of course, had to nerd this out and play around with it. So I took a Martin when I was sitting here at my desk right here to see what my blood sugar would do. And then I took one while I was running um, just to see the difference. Right. And it was wild. Like my blood sugar spiked really fast and really high because I took 25 grams of straight carbs on an empty stomach sitting at my desk while I wasn't doing anything. And then when I did it while I was running, it was really cool. Like it came up a little bit more slowly, which makes sense because our body is pulling it off of our blood right as we're using it and then it stayed really really steady for about gosh I think it was about four miles and then it started to drop so you know from that it would be like all right Megan you need to make sure you're taking another gel every four miles to keep to your point Thomas to keep it where it needs to be so I think like that would be what wearing one of these for the long term would help you figure out but again it's a lot of data a lot of attention a lot of mental energy and it's just like is that necessary or do we just say fuel every 30 minutes, <laughs> you know? So I don't yeah. know. It's, it's interesting. I can see at like when we're talking Iliad Kipchoge level, I can see where these minor like adjustments that you can make on the fly will clearly have an impact because at that level, you're talking about seconds or minutes mm-hmm. um, over a long period of time. And mm-hmm. but for the for the average person, I'm guessing this is just going to be like sort of we were talking about already a lot of overwhelm with the data. And I know mm-hmm. for me in my experience with using the glucose monitor is um, I only had it, I think, for one rest day. But on that rest day, my levels spiked really high for every meal. And I was still eating pretty high carb because I have a rest day before a long run. But then it had me thinking, like, should I not be eating as many carbs on a rest day, even though it precedes a long run. And it goes back to, I think we have to focus on what our goals are versus 
what this device is telling us because if I start going low carb the day before a long run, how am I going to perform? Exactly. And I do have a little bit of concern from that perspective too, that this could potentially make people fearful of carbs, right? So when our blood sugar spikes, it it can, gets our body to push out some more insulin because insulin is what's going to take that. It's our storage hormone. It's going to take that out of there, right? So it that's what we're trying to do though. Like I would love to see somebody carb load with one of these on. Like if anybody wants to send us one so we can do it before Boston. Like I'm sure blood sugars are through the freaking roof because that's the point. We're trying to trigger our insulin to store that blood sugar as glycogen. And if we didn't spike our blood sugar, we wouldn't be carb loading efficiently. So, you know, I think some of that stuff can be a little bit frightening. Or on the flip side, my blood sugar kept going really, really low when I was running really, really low. So I reached out to Casey, our friendly dietitian over at NutriSense, and she was like, were you running outside? And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, it was five degrees outside. And she said, in the cold, you just don't have the capillary blood flow to those areas so that it falsely says your blood sugar is 45, right? Which then that's not useful information at all, right? That's why I tested the Martin on the treadmill in my basement where it was warm because you're not going to get an accurate blood sugar read if you're running in the cold. She also said it's the same thing for dehydration. So if we're super, super dehydrated, we don't have the fluid to grab to figure out what our blood sugar is, right? So it's going to look... I forget what she said. Did she say falsely high? I think so. Mm-hmm. I think she said falsely high. Um, so there's limits to this data too. And then if we're really putting all our apples in this basket of trying to understand it, but we don't realize the cold affects it and dehydration affects it, or we didn't know we were dehydrated, then what's this data even useful for? So I think there's just so many pieces of this that nuanced, I guess, is a good way to put it. Can yeah. I can I save our audience some money? <laughs> <laughs> I well before you say that Thomas I will say I had the exact same um issue or the results with running outside in the cold is like my levels would go down and then um, because I want to eat immediately or very soon after a run then they would shoot back up so I'd have this this low to a super high which is quote unquote not good um mm-hmm. every you got morning a bad score too so did I yeah <laughs> Because because you would you would have this low to this high, which again is like I said earlier, it kind of stressed me out. And then I was mm-hmm. telling Casey, our sports dietitian within the app, that this stressed me out. And then she was like, "Well, don't get stressed out because that's going to increase your blood glucose levels <laughs> even higher." And then I was stressing about that. <laughs> I was like, "This this device might not be for me." <laughs> but I think that gives such a good picture right of like that exactly what you're saying and I did not know she was going to say that it was my concern for people just deciding they want to use this like I think in some respects this data can cause more harm than good right for some people it's amazing and it's super helpful but not for everybody so I think we need to know ourselves and know um you know what may or may not be helpful but Thomas what's gonna save the audience money here okay don't worry about this stuff (laughs) Eat carbs before you work out. Eat protein after you work out. Don't overdo it on anything and you'll be fine. I don't disagree. Like, I'm just curious. If, you, if, you're, funct- if you're functioning health healthy and you're burning the right amount of carbs when you exercise and you're eating the right amount of protein afterwards, 
Like there's got to be signs like your skin should look a certain way. Your hair should be looking a certain way. You're going to the bathroom regularly. Like what are the signs that nutritionally you are missing the mark? From like a holistic standpoint or with the yeah, things we talked about today? Yeah, poor performance. Like what, what, what would I, if I don't have a glucose, if I don't want to pay 175 a month for a glucose monitor and I don't want to blow yep. into a Lumen every morning, what are the things that I uh, am looking for to be like, all right, I need to make an adjustment to my nutrition. I think, you know, specifically for runners, it's how do you feel when you're running, first and foremost, right? Like, are we having strong runs? Like, I can't tell you the number of people that are like, I feel awful on all my runs. I'm so tired. My legs feel heavy. I feel like I'm not recovering. There's something wrong there, right? Like, if we're fueling our runs well, we should feel good at the end. We should feel tired. We should feel exhausted, especially if it was a long run, right? But, like, we should feel mentally there physically good you know these long runs shouldn't be wiping us out for the rest of the day they shouldn't be putting us on the couch for the rest of the day with a headache unable to eat like we're missing the boat there right like we should be able to train for a marathon and live our normal life maybe with a few alterations right but like we shouldn't be having these terrible energy lows and these side effects like gi and headache and you know, sleep disturbances, like something's wrong. And usually it's that we're not fueling at the right times with the right foods enough during. So, you know, those are the types of things I, I always have people focus on. It's like, how do we feel when we're running? Right. And then also the recovery piece. So if we're struggling to recover, we're missing something from a nutrition standpoint, both hydration and fueling. Um, so I think it's knowing what's normal for us. And even if we're like out of shape, getting back in shape, like, yes, that feels crummier. Right. But even you know that, right? You know what it feels like to be getting back into shape. So is it more than that, right? Is there Are there other factors that are impacting that? Um, and just kind of being really honest with yourself about how it feels throughout the process. So I have a recommendation for a device. You strap one feather on this arm, one Megan on this arm, and go for a run. And they'll just tell you when you're screwing up. <laughs> I'll tell you when to eat. Megan will tell you what to do on your run. We'll just We need the Megan and Megan app. <laughs> I like it. All right. I feel like we covered those devices pretty well. Also, just to let our listeners know, we are not sponsored by either of these companies, but they did send us the products and we tested them and we are giving our honest opinion on them. Um, we do have a couple more fun um, devices, wearables, tests that we're, that we're checking out right now. I sent in my uh, Everly Well food sensitivity yesterday. Megan, I don't know if you've done yours yet. I didn't do my homework yet. I will. <laughs> and um, Thomas is testing, and Megan are both testing out the core. Feathers. So we will and feathers. feathers. So we will discuss that one in a future episode. But next week we are going to do rapid fire answering a bunch of your questions. So get excited for that. Yeah, and if you haven't submitted a question, how do you do that? You can go to the Anchor app and just hit the message button, or you can send an email to fuelforthesoulpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll talk to you in two weeks. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm going to peace and carrots out of here. See you guys. After I said that, I was like, Thomas is going to die at this. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, rewind, rewind. I got to turn the heater down in here. <laughs> I'm laughing too hard. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I, Meg, I feel bad for you editing this one. This is going to be a shit show. What? That's what they fish in. <laughs> Thomas, you can't, you cannot say these things. I'm going to have to edit out the whole freaking podcast. Oh, <laughs> God, you are the worst. I like it. Um, wait, I missed it. What are you guys laughing about? <laughs> Did you say shanty again? No, I said I didn't even feel it go in. <laughs> and Thomas is a child. <laughs> oh, no. Uh. <laughs>